0: Amen and amen. Well, folks, we're going to continue on with our series in the book of James called Real Faith. So if you want to take your Bibles this morning, we're going to go jump right back in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. We'll be finishing the chapter today. And God, in all his ways, it seems that doesn't matter what book we're preaching on or preaching through... It's always applicable for the day. And so I hope and I pray it is for you today as it is for me. So if you have your Bibles open, or if you clicked on it, James chapter 3, I'll be reading verses 13 through 18, and here's what we read. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, this morning, may your word cut where it needs to cut, may it remove where it needs to remove, may it bring new life where new life is needed, and healing where healing is needed, but I pray, Lord, that in all of this, your spirit would work mightily within us this morning. For your name's sake, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. The thing that keeps jumping out at me as we continue through the letter of James is this. The gospel is real power affecting real change in real people that results in reflecting the character of God. That is real faith. That is true Christianity. And that's why faith, when we claim to have faith, faith cannot be without evidence because real faith transforms us and it compels us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. And that is why James says that if anyone claims to be religious but can't control his own tongue, that person's religion Is worthless, and James says that person is actually deceived. You see, faith is evidenced by works. It's evidenced by our conduct and the things that we do. In fact, James boldly asserts that faith without works is dead. Now today, James is going to identify yet another element that's impacted by real faith. And that is the wisdom that you and I live by. And in this section, James addresses two categories of wisdom that which he identifies as earthly wisdom, and that which he identifies as heavenly wisdom. And what he's going to do is to show the characteristics and the effects of both of these categories of wisdom. And the question that I want you to consider throughout the entirety of this sermon today is this, what kind of wisdom do I live by? What is the wisdom that is evidenced in my life? And in order to unpack all this and to help us understand that and see it in our own lives, I want to begin with the question, and that is this, What kind of wisdom do you have? That's my first question to you. What kind of wisdom do you have? So looking at chapter 3, verse 13, read that verse with me again. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, it would seem that perhaps... If you've been following along through this series that James is addressing, those who want to be teachers because he started chapter 3 by stating that not many should be teachers. But the reality is he's actually talking to every believer, all those that would come within the hearing and the reading of this letter that he's writing. And so this certainly is directed at us today as well. Now, often, think about wisdom for a moment. When we think about wisdom, as I was going through this, don't we often think of wisdom as cleverness? Just think that through. We think often, at least I do, I think of wisdom as cleverness. A person is someone, or someone who we deem as clever we might deem as someone who seems smart, they're witty, they're knowledgeable, they have an answer seemingly for everything, and it sounds wise, and it sounds smart, they're sharp, they're quick thinking, they're quick acting, and and when we see someone like that who who demonstrates these, these traits and these qualities, we often mistake that for wisdom. But that doesn't, Fit the wisdom defined in this passage. You see, wisdom in the sense that it's used here in this passage refers to, listen, the proper application of biblical truth, godly truth, to your life. And when he refers to, when he uses the word understanding in this passage, he's referring to knowing why and how we apply the truth, the way we do. And so he begins with this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? And then he gives the criteria by which we can discern if I'm a wise person who is truly wise and understanding. Here's what he says. By his good conduct, let him show his works In the meekness of wisdom. You see, wisdom and understanding is marked, notice, first by good conduct. Mm -hmm. Let by his good conduct Mm -hmm. let him show. And the word conduct here is the word. Anastrophe, which refers to a way of life. It's not a momentary action, but it's your way of life. When people think of you, what comes to their mind is this is what this person is like. This is how they live their life. So by your conduct, the way you live your life. And the word good here, listen, this is so important for us to understand. When he uses the word good here, led by his good conduct, that word good there means good. Beautiful. It means praiseworthy. It means to be, your conduct is attractive. It's morally excellent. So let's put this together so that we can, in its most simplest form, understand what he's saying. He's saying this if you have wisdom, and he's referring to godly wisdom and understanding, demonstrate it by the beautiful praiseworthy morally excellent way of life that you are living and then he goes on let him show his works in other words the things that you do that are beautiful and praiseworthy and mo- and morally excellent in the meekness of wisdom What an absolutely important statement right there. In the meekness of wisdom. Folks, I can't stress how important this is for us to grasp. We need to get this. We think oftentimes of weakness as weakness. But in the Bible, meekness is never weakness. Meekness is power under control. It's intentional, deliberate gentleness. Not the result of weakness, but intentional, deliberate action. It's the gentleness that's the result of living according to godly wisdom. So, if anyone thinks he's wise... And he has understanding. Let him, let him demonstrate his beautiful, godly way of life and an intentional attitude of gentleness. See, this is where we often make a mistake, don't we? Here's, here's the thing. We often mistake brazen boldness or even arrogance for wisdom. We think because someone is loud and outspoken and isn't afraid to say it the way it is and says it when it needs to be said, that that person is wise. We often make that mistake. And when we come across someone like this, and it happens in churches as well, and we see people like that, and we're drawn to them. Man, he's bold. He just says it the way it is. Now, in and of itself, it's not necessarily bad to be bold and outspoken. In fact, one of our attributes of a church here, of our church at Redemption Bible Chapel, is bold preaching, meaning that we preach the word of God without apology. We just preach what the Bible says, and we allow the Holy Spirit to use that for his good purposes. But being bold and outspoken and saying it like it is doesn't necessarily indicate or mean that you are wise. And here's what I want us to understand. We very quickly, when we read passages like this, we kind of take this and we put this on leaders or those who would like to be leaders. But in this passage, he's not just writing to teachers and preachers. This is for everyone who calls themselves a Christian or a Christ follower. You see, and what happens in this letter, James is so incredibly practical, practical that it actually begins to hurt when we continue to use the old justification. Well, that's just who I am. It begins to hurt. And we have a dislike for the book of James because it's like a mirror and it shows us all of our ugliness and all of our sinfulness and our weaknesses. And so we can't justify ourselves by, well, that's just who I am. Because what James does next is define two contrasting categories of wisdom that will help us understand if our conduct... Or our boldness is a result of true godly wisdom or not. And we need to understand the wisdom that he's referring to so that we can know the type of wisdom that you and I are living by. And he doesn't want us to be deceived thinking we have godly wisdom when we actually may not. So this brings us to our second point. And so I want to give this as an encouragement for each and every one of us. Beware of false wisdom. You could put in here earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, whatever you want, but read with me verses 14 through 16. But if you have, that, that word is important right there, but if you have bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, meaning from God, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. As Bakum says, if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. And I want you to notice here in verse 14 that James points out that this false, and and I'm going to use that word, this false wisdom or this earthly wisdom is rooted in wrong motives. Out of the many motives he could have used, he points out only two. He points out, Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And I want to unpack these a little bit. We we really need to do justice to the Word of God by just kind of focusing on these things for a moment. But I want you to notice, he doesn't say just simple jealousy, but bitter jealousy. It's it's a jealousy that's sharp. It's, It's piercing. It's resentful. It's jealousy that wants to inflict pain upon others. It's a bitterness that wants others to feel the sting of what you're feeling. It's very bold. And secondly, the second motivation of false and earthly wisdom, is selfish ambition. And you know what? I would say in a large part in our society today, we've dropped the word selfish, and we've just lifted up ambition. Ambitions can be good. They can be right. But as a whole, I believe in society, we've dropped the word selfish altogether, and we just deem everything now as good ambition. But the Bible identifies it as selfish ambition. You you see, selfish ambition is the need to see your personal desires, what you want, to see those things fulfilled at any cost and at any expense to everyone else. It's the me first syndrome. It's the I'm most important attitude. That's what it's talking about here. But look what James says in verse 14 again. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, he says this, here's this admonition, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, that's a strange way, the way he finishes that sentence, do not boast and be false to the truth. Here is what I believe he's saying. If you have issues of bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast or don't claim to be wise and understanding when in actuality you're not. In verse 15, he goes on to say that this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. In other words, this is not the wisdom that comes from God. Rather, this sort of wisdom is earthly, meaning it's based on, on the logic that, that people apart from God have developed. You determine through your own logic what's wise. It's totally based on human logic. It's a wisdom that's based on our own human emotions. It's a wisdom that's developed. Based on our fleshly passions. It's a wisdom that's completely. And totally. And utterly disconnected. From the truth and the wisdom of God. This wisdom. He says is unspiritual. Unspiritual. If it's unspiritual, the other side of the coin means that it is of the flesh. And Paul states in Romans seven eighteen that nothing good dwells in the flesh. So therefore, the wisdom that's developed or that's unspiritual, that's developed out of my own flesh, my own thinking, logic, and reasoning apart from God is not good. He further states in Galatians 5.17 that the desires and the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Spirit of God. Oh, how we need to get this. And so when we are operating out of the wisdom of our flesh, of our own understanding and our own logic, when we develop, we live by the wisdom that we've developed out of what we feel and what we think apart from God, you're allowing your passions and desires to determine what's right and what's wrong and how you're going to live. And does that not explain our society today? Absolutely does. So much so that even many of us who claim to be Christians are falling into the same rot, adopting the wisdom of the world instead of the wisdom of God. Oh, that we would pay attention, that we would be warned against earthly or false wisdom. And James goes on to say that this type of wisdom is even, listen, demonic. I mean, if these are piercing words, if ever there were piercing words, this is it right here. You think you're wise by the wisdom that you attain to? Listen, if it's not from God, it's actually even demonic. It's the type of thinking and the mindset that the devil and his angels live by. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, brothers and sisters, can I just encourage us today? Can I exhort us to pay attention, to take heed to what the Word of God is telling us here? See, it doesn't matter what I think, what I feel, what I believe, if it doesn't align with the Word of God. It's dangerous and damning. So when we harbor bitterness in our hearts, when we harbor jealousy in our hearts... When we live from a place of selfish ambition, when our driving purpose is my desires, my wants, whatever benefits me, we are operating from a perspective that has nothing to do with God. We're operating from the same modus operandi that the demons operate from. So then the question is, how do you know if you're living according to this earthly wisdom or this false wisdom? And the answer is that we examine the evidence. Look at verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Here he's telling us, look, where these things exist, here's what you're going to find. This is the evidence. Now, a commentary that I often resource and check out, is called the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary, and its commentary on the letter of James puts it this way. Listen carefully. In a home... That is marked by self centered ambition, you will find disorder and evil. Now, he talks about the home, but let me make it a little more personal for me. In a church that is filled with men and women driven by self centered ambition, you have a recipe for disorder and evil he goes on, and it says in this commentary, Such wisdom produces anger, bitterness, resentment, division, and even divorce. Such wisdom robs us of love, intimacy, trust, fellowship, and harmony with one another. So let's just pause for a moment and reflect upon our own lives and ask yourself, with the evidence that my life is revealing right now, what wisdom am I living by? What is the evidence in my life? If these things that we read about here that are presented, such as bitterness and anger and resentment and jealousy and selfish ambition, if these are evident in my life, if these are evident in your life, then we can be assured That we're living according to earthly wisdom, wisdom that does not come from God, rather, a wisdom that's motivated by bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, that's of the world, it's unspiritual, it's of the flesh, it's demonic, and its only fruit in the end is destruction. But I don't want to leave us there. If we see this, there's good news for us. There's great hope. Because the good news is you don't have to keep living this way. Remember what James said in chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, and he's talking about godly wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given him. God invites you to say, look, if this, if this identifies you, come to me and ask. And I will gladly and freely and abundantly pour it out on you. I'll add another point to this later on. But this leads me straight into my third point, And that is that I want to encourage us to pursue heavenly wisdom. Look at the contrast of heavenly wisdom and notice its characteristics. In light of what he said about this earthly wisdom and its motivations, I want you to see what he says about heavenly wisdom or wisdom that is from above from God. And I'm just gonna walk through this. Starting at verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, meaning the wisdom that is of God, is first, meaning of most importance, pure. I love that. It's pure. It's without defect. It's without fault. It's without sin. It's got pure motives and intentions. And the effect of this pure wisdom will lead those who live by it into a life of purity, meaning Living a life that is morally right in the eyes of God. Living according to the will of God. So that's the first thing he says. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. And that's good news for us. That means you can trust God. Any wisdom that comes from him, you can trust. And it is, then he moves on he says then peaceable, meaning that it's peace-loving. It desires peace with others. It doesn't look for a fight. It doesn't look for an argument. It's wisdom that desires to achieve and to have peace with one another. Not peace at all costs, but peace that is an outflow of godly purity. Because God desires peace. And when we belong to him, and he fills us with his spirit, and he fills us with the knowledge of his word and his wisdom, then our desire through the new heart that he's given us is that we also desire peace. In fact, in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You see, true Christ followers are peacemakers. And one of the things that we know about James as we looked into the history of his life is that he was an incredible peacemaker. Next he goes on and says the wisdom of God is gentle, meaning it's accommodating and considerate towards others. It's, It's not harsh or graceless. Next, it says that the wisdom from God is open to reason. Uh, isn't it true? Don't you think, at least when I thought about this about myself, I can oftentimes be very harsh with the truth, right? And I just be, no, you're dead, you're wrong. This, nope, this is just the way it is. You're just cold with the truth, right? But here we're told that it's open to reason. That doesn't mean we reject the truth. We don't reject godly wisdom, but it means it listens. It carries it with the idea of listening to others as they try to explain their perspective, right? Furthermore, God's wisdom is, listen, full of mercy. It's not just merciful, it's full of mercy. What a beautiful thing to hear. See, it carries with it the characteristic of extending forgiveness to those who do us wrong. It carries with it the idea of a desire to help those who need help, who may not deserve it. And that's the whole nature of the gospel right there. In fact, Matthew five seventeen, Jesus again said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And you become merciful when you have seen your own sinful state before, a thrice holy God. And you realize you need to be saved because you are, you are a sinner, stuck in sin, dead in trespasses. And you call out to Christ. And by faith, you are saved in him, and he gives you a new heart. See, your old man is not worth saving. He doesn't want a better you. He's going to make a new you, a new you. The word of God is rich and deep, isn't it? And when we come to that place, when we have received mercy then we begin to understand the beauty of extending mercy it is full of mercy and it keeps going god's wisdom or results in good fruits it says this would include the other fruits of the spirit that we read about in galatians 5:22 and 23 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control goes on, and it's also impartial, meaning it doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, or if you're from the other side of the tracks. It receives everyone on the same ground of mercy. The wisdom of, that comes from God, we read here, is also sincere. Meaning the way that you act and you conduct yourself is not pretentious or hypocritical. It's genuine. You're not acting this way to be seen by men. You're acting this way because you want to honor God. And he's changing you and he's conforming you more into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is the effect. And lastly, heavenly wisdom shows the effect or the fruit of heavenly wisdom in verse 18 when we read, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, whereas false wisdom produces disorder and every vile practice, heavenly wisdom produces a harvest of righteousness. Meaning right doing, right thinking, right acting. Harvest of righteousness and peace. Peace. What a beautiful thing. The people of God... Always work towards achieving peace. And again, as I said earlier, not peace at all costs, but peace as a result of the wisdom of God. Folks, when we read about the wisdom of God here, do, do you not find it attractive? Isn't it beautiful? Doesn't it make you want to say, yes, I want that wisdom I want to experience that wisdom at the hands of others towards me and I want others to experience it from my hands towards them. Here's the thing. You can have it. And you know what? Particularly here, this is the place as a people of God where it should be most evident. Listen, we all know we're weak. Do you realize that the person sitting to your right is weak and sinful? Do you realize the person to your left is weak and sinful? Do you realize that you are? You might be looking at your child. You might be looking at your spouse. But include yourself in that number but you can have the wisdom of God and you can experience the effects of the wisdom of God because remember, James says in chapter one, verse five, that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give it generously without reproach. There's no reason for us to have to live without the wisdom of God as the children of God. He wants to lavish it upon you. He wants to pour it out upon you. He wants you to experience it and he wants others to experience it through you. So how does God give us wisdom? I have to answer this question. I have to ask it and answer it. How does God give us wisdom? And you know what the answer is? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the only way, folks. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it tells us that Jesus became to us wisdom from God. You want to know what wisdom lived out looks like? Look at the person of Jesus. Look at how he gave himself for his enemies. Look at how he lived for others and not for himself. Look how he laid down his life so that he could pay for your sins and for my sins. Not his sins because he didn't have any. But he poured himself out. That is wisdom. It's living for others. It's living for God. So Christ became to us wisdom from God. So do you want wisdom? Turn to Christ. Believe in him. Trust in him. And submit to his ways. And today, the wisdom of God is detailed for us in the word of God. It's right here. It's right here. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly or be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This contains the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God given to us so that we would know what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will and wisdom of God. And understanding of that wisdom is given to us by his Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. What a great God. What a merciful, loving, compassionate God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2.12, we read, Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. What a great God. What a great God. So let me ask you this morning, based upon the evidence of your own life, What kind of wisdom are you living by? Is it earthly? Is it fleshly? Is it unspiritual? Is it demonic? Or is it from above? Is it from God? Is it the wisdom that's given to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Now, If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower this morning, and the evidence this morning in your own life reveals that, you know what, I do believe, but the evidence actually is contrary to that, that it reveals that I have not been living by godly wisdom. The good news, as you already heard this morning, is all that you have to do is ask God, repent of your your fleshly ways, Turn to God and ask him, he will give it and submit to him in that. But what if you've never trusted Christ? I would encourage you this morning, if this is you, I would encourage you this morning to look to Christ. Ask God to give you faith, to believe in Christ, to see Christ in who he is. And to believe in what he has accomplished for you. And what he has become to you. Because you see wisdom of God. Comes to us only through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I can't express that enough. Through whom we have also received the forgiveness of sins. And the gift of eternal life. Through Jesus we receive the wisdom of God. And so call out to the Lord, ask him to grant you saving faith so that you might believe and live according to the wisdom of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, your word is sharp. Your word cuts and it separates between thoughts and the intents of our hearts And everything is bare and bold or open before you, Lord. You see what is within us. Lord, this morning we recognize our weakness. We recognize we're sinful. We recognize that all of us lack the wisdom of God and we need it in greater degree. But here's what we have comfort in, Lord. That you are mercy You extend your mercy to us. And you invite us to come to you and to find our rest in you. You invite us to come to you to have our sins forgiven, to receive the gift of eternal life. You invite us to come to you for wisdom so that we might live a life that produces life giving fruits and life-giving benefits to others. And so, Lord, this morning I just pray if there's anyone here that's never called on Christ, uh, this morning they would call on you, Lord. I pray for those this morning, Lord, who in their lives recognize that we have not been living by the wisdom of God, and yet I'm a Christian. Lord, I pray that they would humble themselves, that they would repent of their sin before you, and with joy and boldness ask you for wisdom, so that you might be glorified through us. So, Father, do your work within us as only you are able to. And I'd like to extend just at the end of the service here, if anyone would like prayer in light of the service this morning of what you've heard, we would love for you to pray pray with you. So just come up at the end of the service and one of us will pray with you. So, Lord, be glorified this morning in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.